Uh, praise the Lord for that wonderful song, all the singing uh, tonight, throughout the week. It's just been wonderful. It's just, to me, it's prepared uh, the table for the preaching, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it, and I just appreciate it. Thank you so much. Appreciate the good testimonies, and appreciate the ones that are going and the ones that have been there and going back. It's just been a good week. I appreciate your preacher letting me come and, and be here with you all this week. It's just been a blessing for me uh, to be here. I'm just sorry that Karen wasn't able to be here, and um, she, Miss Connie says that she owes her for not coming, so hopefully we'll be able to repay that debt very soon. Well, I am happy to be able to uh, have my good, dear, dear friends from the 1800s with us tonight, Charlie and Joe Kern, and they drove a long way to get here, all the way from Rossville, uh, Georgia, and uh, we've met it, we met each other in 1973, and we couldn't stand each other so much, we thought we'd just get along real good, so we are just dear friends and known them for a long, long time. We appreciate them and their friendship, and uh, they've just been a blessing to me and, and Karen and our family all these years. Thank you for coming down. Amen. Yeah, he was old. I told, I told somebody, I told Brother Bruce Berry, I said he was old when I met him. And um, so he's, he's, he's even older now. Well, turn your Bibles, if you would, to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 9. Uh, this morning I was in 2 Samuel, chapter number 11. I'm, I'm hoping by the time we finish up tonight, you'll be able to find 2 Samuel real, real well, not have any problems, because that's where we were last night, 2 Samuel, chapter number 9. I hope you didn't think I'd forgotten what I preached last night, even though that is a strong possibility for me to do. Uh, my memory's just about shot. So um, anyway, well... I'm going to tell you a joke, and I know your preacher, knowing the way he is, and knowing all the pastors and preachers you've had come and preach in this place, you've probably heard this joke. Uh, the only thing I want you to do is laugh after I tell it so you don't hurt my feelings, and I go home and pout. But um, anyway, I will be leaving after the service, heading back home. We leave for Selmer, Tennessee in the morning, and I'm getting back in God's country tomorrow. It may take me a while to get there, but I'm getting back, so amen. I live in Georgia. I feel like I'm, I've been out in Moab, you know all these years, and I'm like Naomi, I'm going back to Tennessee empty, I lost it all down, anyway, I appreciate the persecution, and by the way, I guess y'all saw my grandchildren on Facebook, you know, I saw one of them running around here a while ago, that little ball-headed one, you know, I had two, where is that baby at, oh, down there, okay, been taken good care of, well, let me tell you my joke, there was this preacher, there's this preacher that couldn't tell a joke, kind of like me. He, he could not tell a joke because he couldn't remember the punchline. And so he went to a preacher's fellowship, and he, and he heard this preacher, this preacher got up, and he said, well, he said, we're supposed to confess our faults one to another. And he said, I was found in the arms of another woman. And the congregation just gasped, you know, oh. And he said, um, and it wasn't my mother, oh. And then he went on to say, it was my mother. And they just, ha, 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 ha. And uh, so, how did I just tell that? I told it wrong, didn't I? <laughs> anyway, it wasn't my wife, and it was my mother. <laughs> By the way, I was that preacher. <laughs> anyway, let me go on my story. It was not my wife, it was my mother. Y'all have heard this, haven't you? Not the way I tell it, you ain't. <laughs> Anyway, he, uh, so he goes back to his church, and you've heard the story. I know I'm telling it to, anyway, he goes back to the church, and you see my face get, my face gets red all the way back. I guess you notice that. And the spotlight right on here on top of me doesn't help a thing. So anyway, he goes back to his church, and he says, uh, well, he said, I got to confess my sins. He said, I was found in the arms of another woman. 
and it wasn't my wife. And the congregation gasped, and he said, and for the life of me, I can't remember who it was. And so uh, now I said, I told that joke because when I'm getting ready to tell you what I'm getting ready to tell you, you may gasp at me, you may throw me out the door, but hear me out before I do. Uh, tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach on what's not in the Bible, okay? We're going to talk about some things not in the Bible and uh, just be out of the Bible tonight. But I want to share with you out of 2 Samuel chapter number, uh, chapter number 9 um, of, of some thoughts about who went and fetched Mephibosheth. Who went and fetched Mephibosheth? Last night we talked about how the focus of missions, and we talked about how Mephibosheth was the focus of David because of Jonathan and the covenant, the promise that he had made to Jonathan some 20 years ago. And now after all that time, it's coming to pass. Can you imagine how much time had gone by from the time? And of course, I know there's no time in eternity, but can you imagine from before the foundation of the world how that that covenant was made between God the Father and God the Son, that he would come into this world? And then all the time that went by before he did come, but all the promises that were made from Genesis 3.15 up until he did come. But he came. I'm glad that he came. And so we talked about that last night. Well, tonight we're going to talk about who were the men that went and fetched Mephibosheth. We're only, we'll ask you to stand. We're only going to read a couple of verses, but if you would stand with me. If you're not able, with Karen having had two knee replacements, I do know there are folks who cannot stand, and I, I truly understand that. So if you're not able, please do not feel bad about that. 2 Samuel chapter number 9, would you with me look in verse number 4. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, and Lodibar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. And let's pray. Father, how we thank you for the privilege that's been ours to be here. My heart has been touched and stirred again. I'm so glad that uh, there are those who are, who are responding to the will of God for their lives to go to places that people need to go. And I pray that you just bless the ministries of every missionary that's been here this week and use them. And I pray you'll bless this church. They're praying about what you'd have them to give. And I pray that every person that is a member of this church would get a hold of this, this, this need of giving to missions by faith promise and, and just doing something to support missions that, that the Word of God would go out and reach men, women, boys, and girls all around the world. So, Father, I pray that you'll bless now the message tonight. We'll thank you for all that you do, and we'll bless you and praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. You know, one thing I like about David, I don't know if you, you folks know this, and I, I'm not trying to make a north-south issue out of it, uh, but today we started out the morning, had grits. I mean, it was good. That's a good southern thing. But David was a southern fella. You know, he was a southern man. He really was. Uh, he was from the southern uh, tribe of Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah. And so he was a good southern boy. But I like verse number five because verse number five proves that he just didn't walk the walk. He talked the talk. And the Bible says that he sent and fetched. I love that. He sent and fetched. And so when I, I saw that, I, I began to think about, <clears throat> you know, these things that went on in this chapter. And sometimes it's what the Bible does not say uh, that I think is interesting when we begin to think about it. But look at that verse number five when it talks about, and you know, we went down to Lodibar. I went to fetch, uh, fetch Mephibosheth out of Lodibar. And may I say to you tonight that David was not in, in the least bit concerned about a place. Would you listen to me? He's not in the least bit concerned about a place. Dirt is dirt. 
Trees are trees. Rocks are rocks. He was concerned about a person in that place. And so we're sending missionaries to places, but it's not so that they can go on a trip and they can be on vacation to look at the scenery. They're going there for people. That is what he's concerned about. Because everything that we see here that we can touch, this, this planet that we call home, is going to be melted with a fervent heat. God is not concerned about the place. He's concerned about the people. So no matter, no matter where they're going, whether it is to South Africa or whether it is to Colombia, whether it is to Brazil or wherever the missionaries are going, that is not what is important. It's where they're going to reach the people that are there. So when I looked at verse number five, I want you to notice a couple things. I want you to look at these two words, sent and fetched. The word sent, when I looked up this word sent, would you listen to this? The word sent, it literally means to stretch toward or to reach toward. Now look at verse 5, what it says. It says in verse number 5, then King David sent. Then King David reached forth, stretched forth. Here is a man down in Lodabar. His name is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is not reaching toward David. He's not stretching toward David. David is doing all the stretching and all the reaching for Mephibosheth. And that is the way it is with people. Let me tell you, men don't want God. Men could care less about God. They are rebellious against the holy God because the gospel exposes men's sins. The gospel exposes what we really are. And that is a thing called conviction. The worst day in my life when something happened to me that I didn't even know what was going on. I just thought this is a bad feeling. It happened to me because I went to that church and it must be the church that is causing this. So let me get out of this church and I will never darken the doors of a church again because that place will make you feel bad. What I didn't know was it wasn't the place. It wasn't even the people in the place, but it was the Holy Spirit of God that was bringing conviction on my life to show me that I was a sinner, hell-bound sinner, and I deserve to go to hell. And so can I tell you tonight that it's God that is reaching toward us. As I mentioned last night, he had a feeble problem. Even though he might have had his arms outstretched, there was no way he was going to get to God. Aren't you glad that God is the one that's doing the reaching? Because what if you are reaching toward God and God doesn't want you? Hey, we look at it like, hey, we want God. Hey, what if God doesn't want us? What, are we, what have we got that God would desire us? What have we got to offer God? We're like Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth could not prosper the kingdom and Mephibosheth could not protect the kingdom. He was absolutely of no use to King David. And you and I tonight, we are of absolute no use to God. And why in the world? Let me tell you, the Word of God, because He speaks to us in our language through His Word, and there is not a word in the English language or any other language on planet Earth that can describe what God feels toward us. And so He just says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why? Because there is nothing good about me and you that God should want to desire us, but I'm glad that He does. And I'm glad that He expresses His love toward us in reaching, stretching, bending as far as He can toward men that He might bring men to Himself. That's this word. David did the stretching. David did the reaching. But I want you to look at this word fetch. Listen to this word and what this word means. The word fetch. 
He said that King David sent and fetched him. The word fetched, listen to this, it means to accept. It means to buy. It means to draw. It means to receive. It means to win. Oh, my soul. When I think about what David was doing as he was reaching for Mephibosheth and he was stretching toward Mephibosheth, he was doing that so he could buy him. He could draw him. He could, he could um, accept him. He could receive him. He could win him. And I want you to know, David did that and not Mephibosheth. Because there's not enough in me that I could buy my redemption. That I could do anything that would cause God to want me. And a lot of people say, well, you know, i got to do this and I've got to give up this and I've got to give up that. Thinking that what they do will make God want to love them and make God want to save them. But can I tell you, we can't do anything to make God love us. We can't even do anything to make God quit loving us. God loves us. And He's the one that's doing the stretching and reaching. And He's the one that's doing the accepting and the buying and the winning and the receiving. He's the one that did it all. He's the one. And so we want to take a lot, of, a lot of things on us to make us think that we're so good and God is so lucky to have people like me and you. God, He got nothing in this deal when He got me. Nothing. But He still reached toward me. He still reached. Hey, and he still bought me. He did everything so that I might know him. But look what it says in verse number five. Then King David sent and fetched. Can I tell you what that verse of Scripture tells me? David did not leave Jerusalem. He stayed right where he was. So David was reaching and stretching toward Mephibosheth through the arms of somebody else. David was accepting and buying and doing all the things that this word sent means through somebody else. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about three things. I found out I didn't, that was only a reflection of the, what I thought was a fourth hair. I'm back to three tonight. Three hairs. I'm, Charlie, what I'm doing is how many hairs I got on my head. That's how many points I have. So I got three. Okay. That's how it works. So um, I want to share with you three things about these men that I hope will be a help to all of us as we think about reaching the world. Number one, these men were unnamed. You will look throughout the entire Word of God and you will not find the identities of these men. They're unnamed. Sadly, there are some people that unless they are named, unless they have recognition, they will do nothing for God. They may do something one time, but if, unless they are recognized for what they did, it's over for them. They've got to have that recognition. But can I tell you, when you read this story, you're going to find for these men that went to fetch Mephibosheth, these men knew that it was not about them because it wasn't about them. It was about him that was doing the sending. I wrote this in my notes. Listen, in this story, it was not their name or their fame that was important or that mattered. It was their mission. And they were on, the, on a mission for the king. It's not about me and you. If they don't know who we are, and let me tell you, I, I'm like the next guy. I love for people to know who I am. And I'm not brother, I told somebody tonight, I'm not brother Hamby, I am brother Dean. Except for Charlie Kernan, I'm not going to tell you what he calls me. But anyway, you know, it starts with a J and it ends with a K with an ER in the middle of it. But anyway... I'm not going to tell you what he calls me, but anyway, 
If you're a poor speller, you're on your own. <clears throat> but it wasn't about them. It was about the one that sent them, not their name, not their mission. It was the one that was sending them, and it was about his name. I like what Peter says in the book of Acts chapter number 4. He said, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Peter didn't care if they knew Peter's name as long as they knew his name. And when it was all said and done, these men, this Sanhedrin court, these, this, this body of religious, educated scholars, as they looked at Peter and John, you know what they did? They took knowledge of Peter and John that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They were nothing. They smelled like fish. They were nothing. But here's what they did know. They had been with Jesus. And they were on a mission for the king. And they went for the king. And it was his mission and it was His name that they were exalting. That was what it was all about. So when they knocked on the door that day and they got down to Mephibosheth's, uh, Mephibosheth's house, they announced themselves as ambassadors for the King because it was all about Him. But can I tell you, not only was it all about Him, it was all about them who was being sought. Mephibosheth. It was about the one doing the sending and the one being sought. That's why we give our money. We don't give our money. That's why on that little card, there's no place for us to put our name. When I fill out our, our faith promise card or Karen fills out our faith promise card, we don't put our name on that card. We have the same cards you got. We don't put our name on the card because it's not about us. It's about Him and it's about them. And so these people are unnamed. It doesn't matter who they are. Yes, we love, to have, we love it. We really do love it. But it is truly not about us. But I, look, I sure do love it when Bruce Berry comes back and he shows his presentation and he shows that host of people that are there that at the beginning just had very few. Now there's a host of people down there and got their own pastor. I love it. Goes and shows us a, a village that has no gospel witness and all of a sudden we're seeing all these faces of these children, these people that need Christ. Can I tell you, he's gone and it's all going to be about them, about them so that they can know him. But can I tell you, when we, when we think about Mephibosheth's life, can I tell you, with these men, unnamed men, his life was forever changed because it was about him and not about them. Number two, not only were they unnamed, they were unnumbered. We don't know how many went. We don't know if one, two, ten, twenty. We'd have no idea how, how many went. You know, some people feel that um, what they do doesn't really matter, you know, they feel that what they do is so insignificant that if they stop doing whatever they're doing, that it, they wouldn't even be missed. They think about, well, I'm going to fill out this faith promise card and it could never match what somebody else has given, so if I don't give it, it's really not going to be missed. If you're given what God wants you to give, you better give it because one little boy comes up with one little lunch and five loaves and two fishes, as somebody's already alluded to tonight, it re really wasn't much in the whole scheme of things, but can I tell you, it meant a whole lot to the Lord, and the Lord took what was given him. Can I tell you, he will never take from you what you got. I, I, I hate your preacher's going to hear this, but he's just going to have to hear it. God loves Tennessee because everything that he does has to do with volunteers. Everything. I believe that that white robe is, is, is lined with orange on the inside, you know? Everything. He's not going to take from you what you don't give him. If you don't give him your life, if you don't give him your money, if you don't give him your children, if you don't give him, if you don't give it to him, he's not going to take it. 
It is a free will offering. Free will offering. Listen, our trespass offering, our sin offering, it was dealt with at Calvary. Now God expects us to come with a living sacrifice of a free will offering and say, Lord, here is my life. Here is my family. I love it, glory to God, when families go to the mission field and all the family is involved in the work of God. I like it. I just think it's right. I think it's good. And so some people feel that way, that if they don't, if the little bit that they do, you know, if, if they just quit doing it, it won't be missed. We had a lady in our church. We had two ladies in our church. Had a man, two ladies and a man. And uh, this one lady, she taught the same Sunday school class for 45 years. She didn't teach the adult ladies or didn't she didn't teach the teens. She taught the three- and four-year-olds straight out of nursery. When they came into Miss Dodderell's class, she gave them a little New Testament, and when they went out of her class, they got a whole Bible. Miss Dodderell's husband died on a Friday. They had his funeral on Saturday, and she was teaching her Sunday school class Sunday morning. Her class wasn't on the main floor of Old Swanee Baptist Church. She had to go down these stairs down to the bottom. Miss Dodderell had, she had osteoporosis, and here's the way she came in with her little scooter thing like this, and they helped Miss Dot Earl down this, never one time, brother, did she say, hey, could y'all move my class upstairs? Not one time. She'd go down the steps 45 years. She was getting ready to come to church and teach her class. She wasn't feeling well. They take her to the emergency room that morning, 1230. We're letting out a church, and Miss Dot Earl goes home to be with God. But let me tell you, the day that she died, she was getting ready to go and teach her Sunday school class. Hey, did it matter to anybody? Let me tell you what happened. Our preacher's grandson, he was in Ms. Dodderell's class. He was four years old. The next Sunday, Ms. Dodderell's uh, daughter, Miss Ann, worked with her in the class. Miss Ann is in the Sunday school class. They buried her mama that week. She's in that Sunday school class. Little Dakota Campbell comes in the classroom, four years old. Miss Dodd isn't there. She's gone on to be with the Lord. And four-year-old little boy lays his head on the table, begins to weep, and he said this. He said, Miss Dodd's gone. What are we going to do? Let me tell you, not you. You think that what you do doesn't count. It matters to somebody. How many were in the number? I don't know. But here's what I do know. David sent everyone that needed to go. And everyone that needed to go was needed when he went. We have another lady. She doesn't teach the upper classes. She teaches the five and six-year-olds, Lonia Roberts. So as soon as Miss Dot was done with them, they went straight in Miss Lonia's class. Fifty years. Only till last year did she, she is 90-some years old, and only till last year did she quit teaching because she wasn't able to come every service because of her age. 50 years. We have a man in our church. He's got colon cancer right now. Our pastor is honoring those that work in children's church. His name is Wenton Martin. He's been in children's church almost 50 years, and so they're going to honor him with a plaque for all of his years of service. This man, when they brought him up, and he stands there, and he won't, won't even hardly look at the congregation. He's so timid. He just kind of stood there like that when they're going to give his plaque to him. Just timid. He won't hardly say anything in front of a group. But when he gets in front of them, them kids, he, goes, he becomes a wild man. That man is crazy, I'm telling you. 
He loves those kids, and for almost 50 years, he's been up there with those children, telling them stories and leading them to the Lord and taking up collections and giving the money through the church to missions. Can I tell you, I want you to know what you do does matter. You may not be recognized, you may not be numbered, but can I tell you, there is a God in heaven tonight. Hey, can I tell you, there are a lot of Mephibosheths that need somebody out there, need somebody out there. Oh, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. You know what happened with the church at Corinth? They were all about naming people, and they were divided over people. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas. That was all about people. It's not me and you. And it doesn't matter if you're named or if you're numbered. You count. You count for His honor and his, for His glory. Did you know that there's a, there's a place that God has for you that nobody else can fill? There's a gap. that God wants you to stand in that gap. That's not going to be for anybody else. You say, well, what I do doesn't matter. There's a gap. There's a place for you. And can I tell you, there are people that you can reach that nobody else will ever be able to reach. God's got you. And you matter. Amen. You say, well, what if it's only one? Hey, what if it's only one? Good night. What if it's only one? Hey, they were unnumbered. Last of all, they were unnoticed. They were unnoticed. You know, when Mephibosheth was brought in and he was laid before the king, all eyes were on two people that day. First of all, I, I believe that all eyes were on David, King David, what he was going to do. Can you imagine? Here is the grandson of David's archenemy. This could have been a plot. This could have been a ploy just to get Mephibosheth there so David could kill him off. So everybody's watching the king. What is he going to do? And everybody's watching Mephibosheth. Who is this guy? Why would the king take such interest to send these men all the way down to Lodibar to bring Mephibosheth back here and lay him here? What is this guy all about? All eyes are on David and all eyes are on Mephibosheth. So these guys that went down, made the trip down, and they got Mephibosheth and brought him back, they went unnoticed. They were un- and As a matter of fact, you know, it's bad when people don't notice you. You know that? It's really bad when people don't. But it's, it's just as though God didn't even notice them because they're not even in the Bible record. Think about it. Think about it. But can I tell you? They were noticed. Can I tell you? There were two that noticed them. First of all, it was David noticed them. David could have sent Joab, but I don't believe he sent Joab because this was not a mission for a man like Joab. Joab, Joab was a, he was the captain of the host of David's army. He was a warrior. He was ruthless. He had pity for no one. He was a murderer. That was Joab. Joab had the blood of his enemies and all those he killed. He put the blood on his belt, on the inside of his belt. He put the blood of his enemies and those he killed on the inside of his shoes. This was Joab. Have David said, hey, I want you to go down there and I want you to dispatch this man by the name of Mephibosheth. I want you to kill him. He would have been your man. And man, he'd have hightailed it down there and he'd have done the job. I don't believe Joab was one of them that went. And I'll tell you why. He wanted some men that would go with the kind of heart that he had. When I think about David sending these men, can I tell you why he noticed them? It's because these men that were going, listen to me, they were going to help fulfill a promise. 
David didn't go. These men were going to help fulfill a promise. And when these men went, I believe that David's heart went with them. Because it had been 20 plus years since he had made the promise to Jonathan. And Jonathan was not there. And so David was going to make sure that he would do what Jonathan would do if Jonathan was there. So I believe that he sent men that he knew that he could count on to do the job that David would do if he went, or the job that Jonathan would do if he went. May I say tonight that God knows, God notices, and he didn't just, he, he didn't just notice them when he was choosing them to go. When they came back that day, friend, he noticed them. Because Can I tell you why? He noticed them because they fulfilled, they fulfilled in helping to make sure that the promise that he made to, to Jonathan came to pass. See, we're helpers. We don't save people. We can't show them kindness. That's his job. The Lord Jesus is not physically here. We're physically here. And God has entrusted to us the glorious privilege of helping to fulfill a promise, to fulfill a promise. And it will not go unnoticed by God. When we stand before Him one day, they didn't bring a whole company of people. I said last night, any meant, it could mean any kind of a number. Who knows how many there were? They only brought one. If you just bring one, let me read you a verse of Scripture, and I wish you would look it up sometime. Hebrews chapter number 6 and verse number 10. Listen to this. For God is not unrighteous to forget. There are some people like me, we forget because we just forget. You know, age does that. There are some people that choose to forget. They don't care about recognizing anybody. But he's not unrighteous. God will not forget. He's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. I used to stop right there with that verse of Scripture. He's not, gonna for, he's not unrighteous to forget our work and labor of love. Now listen to this part. Which, you, which ye have shown toward his name. Remember, it's about him. Which you show toward his name. In that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Can I tell you tonight? He knows. He notices. He knows. He recognizes. He remembers. And so they were unnoticed. David remembered. But can I tell you, it wasn't just David that remembered. Can I tell you somebody else or that noticed? There was somebody else that noticed him that day, and that was this man, Mephibosheth. He noticed him. Amen. Would you listen to me? And I'll be done in just a moment. Before they ever saw the face of David, he saw their faces. Listen to me. Can you imagine the fear that was in his heart when the knock came on, came on that door that day? And here is the king's entourage. The king's soldiers have come to get him. Can you imagine he has no idea what's going to happen? I believe that's one reason he didn't send a man by, by the name of Joab. Here's a bloody man. Here was a wicked man. Here was a murderer. But he sent men, I believe, that had a face that would take away the, the fear that was on in Mephibosheth's heart. Before they ever saw his face, 
he saw their faces. Can I tell you something else? Before he ever heard David's voice, he heard their voices. Can you imagine? Brother, you're going to go back home. And there's going to be something different when you go back. Would you listen to me carefully? I've been around Baptist ever since I got saved. Me and Charlie Kern have been knowing each other just not long after we both got saved. Won't you listen to me? There have been Baptists that I have, I have met since I got saved. Had I known them before I got saved, I do not know if I would have ever gotten saved. You remember, you remember, they were going to represent the king. The first faces he saw from the king were their faces. The first voices he heard were their voices. May I say it does matter. It does matter. And can I go on to tell you? The first hand that he felt, before he ever felt his hand, the first hands he felt were their hands. So they had to pick him up. They had to carry him to the vehicle that would bring him back to David. And I believe that they picked him up with love and tenderness and care. And I want you to know that as they represented the king, they represented him, the king in every way that the king wanted to be represented. What you do, it matters. Men may not... Listen, I was, in, I was invited to go to church. I was fresh out of high school, 1970. I was 17 years old. A girl I had gone to high school with called me up. Her name was Shirley Elrod, Cleveland, Tennessee. She invited me to go to church. She said, I want you to come to our revival at North Cleveland Baptist Church on Okoy Street. I want you to come to, re to the revival to help me win a Bible. Big old church. That church was packed out. And I called a friend of mine up, and I said, would you go with me to help Shirley win a Bible? I wasn't in church, could have cared less about church. We went, got there on the back row of that church. The place was packed out, and a preacher got up that night in 1970, a 17-year-old boy sitting on the back row of this humongous church. Wasn't there except to be counted for Shirley to help her win a Bible. I don't even know the preacher's name. I don't even know what he looks like. If he walked in tonight, I wouldn't even know him. But God used that man that night to touch my heart. And I walked out that building that night lost because I wouldn't go forward because of my friends. I would not. But for one year, I was under conviction because of a man that was willing to get up and preach the gospel. Amen. And God never let me get away from that message. You do matter. People may not remember, but there is a God in heaven that remembers. And I believe, even though you may not remember the name of that person that led you to Christ, you will never forget the day the knock came at your door or the, or the day that you heard the lesson taught or the message preached or the track that was given. You'll never forget it because God put it in your heart by the, by the heart of the men that came in His place.